All that we do when we gather together on these Sundays is an act of worship. The songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, and our financial giving is an act of worship. We give as an expression of our love for God and our commitment to the work of God's kingdom. If you've already given this week, thank you for your generosity and for supporting the ministries that are happening here at Hope Church. If you are here in the room and would like to give, you can do so by going to the tech booth after the service and put your uh, offering in one of the baskets or out in the lobby in one of our giving kiosks. Or you can always give online, meethope.org slash give. Well, we're coming up on the uh, Advent season, the Christmas season, and we're very excited about all of the things that we have planned so far. And so if you would like to see what's going on, you can scan the QR code that is on the screen, or you can go to our website, meethope.org Christmas, and see all of the things that are going on. As we are in the midst of planning, um, one of the things that we're planning for, of course, is our Christmas Eve service. That always is one of our largest attended services, multiple services, and uh, so we're trying to figure out what that's going to look like as we are moving into more of a post-pandemic kind of reality. So we'll be offering services both in person and online. Here's how we, you could help us out. At the end of last week, we sent out a survey to everybody who's on our mail list, and we're asking you to give us some idea of when you think you might be attending one of those worship services, again, either online or in person. It would be really helpful in our planning if you would take that one or two minute survey and uh, get it back to us. Uh, It's online, um, and so... Please fill that out. That would be really great. And now I'm going to throw it over to Amanda Cavalieri, our director of Tomorrow's Hope Preschool, for an announcement. Thanks, Jeff. Did you know that we have 80 children join us each week for preschool and kindergarten? Tomorrow's Hope is a vibrant ministry of Hope Church, and we are asking for your help this Christmas. We are selling gift cards to all the places that you go, restaurants and stores, and these make great gifts for you to give this Christmas. The retailers give us a percentage back that we use for scholarships at our school. Orders are due by December 1st. You can get one at meethope.org slash gift card or in the lobby at Hope Church, and they will be ready by December 10th. Thank you for supporting our children. Thanks, Amanda. And now we continue in our series, Unchanging, and Pastor Heather Mandela brings our third in this series. Hello, Hope. So we're going to start out doing something we haven't done in quite a while. Uh, If you are here in the room, I'm going to ask you to take a second and stand up. If you are online, we are going to ask you, you get to jump into one of your rows. So we're going to take a second and we're going to talk to our neighbor. So you might want to mask up if you're going to be moving around a little bit. Um, Online, you can click on one of those seats on the rows in front of you. And so you'll be able to answer the question as well. We're going to take about a minute, 90 seconds, and you're going to answer the question, what is community? What does community mean to you? Go.
All right. You can begin to wind up your conversations. Drift back to your seats. If you're online, you can choose to stay in your rows and share together, or you can pop back. Excellent. Thank you. So if you hadn't guessed it yet, we're going to be talking about community today. Right? So over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at things that are unchanging because, let's be honest, everything else in our life is changing. We have been in a state of flux, and so during these time periods, it is so helpful and reassuring to know the things of God that don't ever change. So Pastor Jeff talked to us last week about discipleship, and Pastor Rick talked about connections uh, two weeks ago, and today we're going to be talking about community. Community is one of those unchanging things, these principles that we see in the Bible. We see a wide variety of communities shared with us all throughout Scripture. Jesus operated in community. He was in community with his disciples. We see them traveling together, eating together, praying together, learning together. After the crucifixion, we see his disciples gather together in rooms to mourn. We see the women visit the tomb in community together to prepare his body. We see others who are traveling out of town together. And after Jesus ascends into heaven, we start to see what we now refer to as the Acts 2 church. We see groups of believers who come together and they are known for devoting themselves to the teachings of the apostles. Eating together, praying together, spending time together. That church grows and becomes a community where everyone chooses to give to make sure that everyone's needs are met. The reality is that community exists throughout every aspect of Scripture. The need for us to be in community is unchanging. However, what that community actually looks like that changes quite a bit. We often look at the Acts 2 church as an example of how a church community should look, right? Everyone working together, giving freely. They come together and eat together. Everyone has enough. And we know that people watched that community, heard about the love of Jesus, and by the thousands, they were meeting Jesus. By the thousands, they were following him. It seems like the perfect community. But persecution from the outside came, and that church was scattered across the land. Their community changed. Now, we have the benefit of looking back and seeing how God used that persecution to spread the word of Jesus throughout the lands wherever they went. But all they knew was that their community changed. We're familiar with that, right? We get that community can change. 
And sometimes it's because you, we move or your kids grow up and, and those soccer families or hockey families or those regular play dates, those circles aren't the same anymore. The last 18 months have changed us. We as a whole have had to navigate from isolation to inundation. While culturally, we all seem to have nothing but grace for each other through 2020, 2021 has played out differently. Society as a whole is less grace-filled, quicker to anger, more focused on ourselves, our wants, our needs, now, admittedly, change is not always fun for everyone. And this state of flux is challenging. It's gotten a lot harder out there. People are less tolerant. I just read another article this morning about a Southwest Airlines stewardess who was hospitalized because somebody punched her on the plane. It's craziness out there. It's getting harder. People are less tolerant, more self-absorbed, and in many ways, exclusionary. Whether it's about politics, masks, vaccines, we are convinced that we are right and everyone else is crazy. Living in 2021 has been exhausting. We find ourselves in a time where to a large degree, everything feels hard. Divisions are everywhere. And as we are forced to re-enter the world, nothing feels quite like it did. But our need for community still exists. We see it written all throughout the pages of scripture. It's how we are hardwired. It's what we are called to. But what community looks like, that's changed. Things don't look the same as they did 2,000 years ago, and they don't even look the same as they did two years ago. But community must go on. And as we dream about the community here in particular, we want it to represent community the way Jesus wanted community to be. Because what Jesus wanted for us in community, that is unchanging. Hope as a community has certainly changed over 31 years, and I'm not just talking about the amount of gray in our hair, we have changed buildings, we've changed times, we've changed styles, we've changed programming. But what has not and cannot change is the what of community. So the question we answer becomes, what does community mean to Jesus? And I think we get a good look at that in John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples, very specific prayers. 
And he qualifies it by saying, this is not just for the disciples that are living on the earth with him at that time, but this is for all of his disciples throughout the ages. That's us. That's you and that's me. He is praying for the community of believers then, now, and still to come. It's for those kids down the hallway right now learning about who Jesus is. And it's for their kids. I want to encourage you this week, read all of chapter 17. It's not that long. Read it multiple times throughout the week. Spend some time in it listening to what it is God is praying over you. But I want to give you a little background on the scripture to start. So this prayer Jesus is offering up happens after the Last Supper. So he has gathered with his, with his disciples. He has broken bread with them. He has washed their feet. He has told them he is going to be betrayed. Judas has left. And he has now traveled to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples and asked them to stay while he goes off to pray. This is one of those instances where all four Gospels talk about this time. All four relay this story. John 17 gives us the longest example of his prayer. This is a raw look at what Jesus is speaking to his father just moments before He's betrayed. We get a glimpse into what he wants for community. He is wrestling with God. He is praying for his disciples. He knows things are not going to be easy for them or for us. It is a beautiful prayer, and I know you're going to read it lots this week, but I'm going to give you a real short recap as well. He prays that we might have joy because of who he is. He prays for protection from the evil one. He prays for sanctification, that we would be made holy. The Greek word literally means set apart for holy use. Four times throughout this prayer, Jesus asks that those who follow him and love him would be one. That they would exist in unity. Four times. He ends his prayer with three of those pleas, and we're going to read them together. I am praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be as one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given you them and the glory you gave me so that they may be as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity 
that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus closes his prayer to his Father out, spending time praying for our unity, praying for our oneness with each other and with him, that we would know God's love as intimately as Jesus does, that we would operate as one. I won't lie, I had to really sit in that. I mean, really sit in it this week. I had to work to wrap my head around what it means, what this kind of unity looks like. And what I came to was that we really had to look at everything else he had prayed for as well. He prayed for us to have joy. Joy that comes from understanding who he is and all he has done for us. Well, okay, that's easy to get on board with, right? I mean, who doesn't want joy, number one? And two, if we're here, it's because we know that Jesus paid the ultimate price and sacrifice for us. Joy. It's what I want for my family. It's what I want for my kids. Not the fleeting happiness that's based on circumstance, but the real soul-deep joy that comes from knowing you are a child of God, that he has died for you. Because when we know that, there isn't anything that we can't face with him. Joy, that's attractive. People want to be around joy. We want to be a community of joy. He goes on to pay, pray for protection from the evil one. There is no doubt that there is evil in this world. If you've been out there, you know it. You've seen it and experienced it personally. And Jesus was never one to mince words about the enemy's desire to destroy. The evil one is the father of lies. He wants to separate, isolate, divide, sow bitterness, loneliness, and despair. Does any of that sound familiar? And while we cannot possibly fight all of this on our own, we don't have to. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and we have been called into community. Being together offers us a level of protection and connection that we cannot find alone. It's one of the reasons why we continue to upgrade our online platform. We know how important being together is. And whether we are in different towns, cities, countries, or right here in this room, we still need to be together in relationships. 
Jesus prays for our sanctification, that we would be set apart for holy use. We have a purpose. Our community has a purpose. We don't exist merely to be. We exist to glorify God. In this prayer, Jesus talks about being made holy by the word of God and by Jesus' actions, right, talking about his death on the cross. He is calling us to live out our faith by learning and immersing ourselves in his word. And we can do this privately, but we also do this together. We have small groups as a means to dig into God's word for our lives and to wrestle with how we apply it every day. We have daily prayer emails filled with scripture and reflections so that we can be growing and praying for each other in this community. We are told that we are made for holy service. God will call us to serve. And we're not made to be a community where we are continually made holy because we get some crazy bonus points at the end of the day, but because we have real work to do. We have relationships to make. We have God's love to share. We have a hurting world we are called to reach. Recently heard a story of a young couple who had drifted away from the church, hadn't really been a part of a church recently, but had both kind of felt that pull on their hearts, that, that God, the Holy Spirit nudging them that maybe it was time. And so they'd been thinking about it for a while. And the wife works near here. And so one day she said to her husband, I want to go there. Because every Wednesday when I drive by, there is a line of cars that weaves up and down their parking lot and into the street, feeding hungry people. She saw the hands and feet of Jesus in action. It's attractive because it's the Holy Spirit working. And finally, Jesus calls us into unity, to oneness. Now, unity isn't conformity. Jesus' disciples, those he traveled with, they were far from the same. They were tax collectors and fishermen, women who had been possessed. They were different. And he invited everyone in. Samaritans, Jews, Gentiles, which also meant there would be conflicts. There were going to be differences of opinion, personalities, backgrounds. And despite all of those differences, Jesus' prayer is for a unity so obvious, so dramatic, that the world would know who Jesus was because of it. That there would be no doubt we, the church, are loved as much as the Father loves Jesus. This, this kind of unity, this community of believers can't happen by accident. 
It takes intentionality. And I believe it is possible when we are actively pursuing each of the things Jesus was praying for us. When we are experiencing joy because we know who he is, it's attractive. Who doesn't want to be around joy? When we are aware of what the enemy is attempting to do and we are protected, we can have confidence. We can have peace in the midst of chaos. When we are actively, daily being sanctified, being put aside for holy use, and then in turn being useful, when we are living into this calling, then we can glimpse the community Jesus prayed for. So what does that mean for each one of us? Well, unity involves you. Each and every one of us has a role to play in what God is doing, both in our private lives and in this community. It takes each and every one of us saying yes to what Jesus is doing. It means we have to ask the hard question, where to next, Lord? He will push us out of our comfort zone, ask us to face our fears. We need to start moving and looking for creative, safe ways to reconnect. In the beginning, we started off by having you talk to a neighbor. Whether you were online or in the room, you had a chance to connect with someone else. These people... They are our community. Our relationships with them can help us grow to be more Christ-like. The way we love them, the way we serve our local communities beside them, that will show the world who Jesus is. The way our community at Hope looks is changing, and it will always be changing. But who we are in Jesus, what our community is, that is unchanging. And it requires each and every one of us. The band is going to come up and they're going to close us with a song, which is an opportunity for us to say, yes, where to, Jesus? Because here's the thing. It might seem hard might seem scary to invest in unity, to recognize that community isn't about what we get from it, but instead it's about what we give to it. It's about the difficult person, the hard conversation. It's about being there for each other when we are broken and celebrating together when we are whole. It's about taking risks and learning to love someone who disagrees with you. It's about the radical love of Jesus. And he gets it. I promise you, he gets that it's hard. And he gets that it's uncomfortable. Because right after he prayed this for his disciples, he begged the Father to let this cup pass from him. 
He begged that there be a different way. But there wasn't. Jesus' love for us was big enough to face certain suffering and death. So he gets that it's hard. But he also knows it's good. It was worth the price he was going to have to pay. Living in his love is worth facing whatever fear, getting a little uncomfortable, taming whatever distractions are keeping us from finding unity with him and his community. Unity. Different people, different challenges. One goal, to be conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Where is God calling you today?